It's a good thing you're back. Uh, I, I, I told the group I was going to have to spend an hour and a half reciting <laughs> 80s movie quotes. That probably wouldn't have been a good idea. No, not at all. Somebody said Blade Runner is an hour or 117 minutes long, so it, it, I'd be covered. Get to the chopper. <laughs> I've seen things you people wouldn't believe. Uh, I feel like I'm on the sodium pentothal, so... Like truth serum? Yeah, if you ever wanted to ask me anything you wanted to know, now's well, the time. We'll we'll get to it. Should we just jump in? Are we recording? Yeah, I am recording. We're just doing it. This is this is like this is how they they call this fast and loose in the fast business. Fast and loose. All right, well, here we go. Live. Here we go. Fast and loose. Episode one thirteen. A day late and a dollar short. We yeah. could just call it that. All right, done. I don't know. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> uh, it is. Uh, it is Wednesday today. It is not Tuesday. You, you you're not living in in Groundhog Day and and reliving a day without OTP. Uh, Bill was 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 sick, <laughs> and and had a shoot that went long. But we're back. We're, I, we're I, here. I like the use of the past tense there. Right. Well, yeah. is is yeah. sick. Uh, so so we're doing it on a Wednesday. So it's your it's your Wednesday. It's your midweek injection of of on taking pictures, talking about photography and that kind of stuff. We are here each and every week. We're just a little late. Uh, so that's okay. My name is Jeffrey Sidoris from fadedandblurred.com. And and with me. Uh, uh, confirmed narcissist, B- Bill Wadman. <laughs> yeah, twenty-seven, baby. <laughs> Suck it. <clears throat> yeah, that's uh, that's that's impressive. I I got an eight. Well, you know what it is. It's like it, somebody said. Um, I put it up on Twitter or something, and somebody replied, and they said, you know. Okay, wait. With- g- give some background. Hold on. Give some background. Okay, I've been listening to Doctor Drew lately. Right. You know, like Loveline? Sure, sure. And, uh, on uh, KROQ from years ago. Yeah. I, well, they still do it as a podcast and probably on the Really? Radio. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Um, I had no idea. Yeah. And uh, so I just, I don't know. I For some reason, I, I started, I don't know where the heck I found it recently. Anyway, it's been my vice for the past few days, although I'm kind of done with it already. Um, and so I looked up Dr. Drew on Wikipedia and one of the comments it said in the personal section was that he once admitted that he had like a 17 or a 16 on the narcissistic blah 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 test right and most f- uh, celebrities have an 18 or higher right the, the, according to this test uh, around a 12 is normal yeah 18 to 20 is hollywood celebrity yeah and and 27 is is uh apparently bill watton the thing is is that a lot of the que- i mean all the questions like when I walk down the street, I want people to notice me. Like all those, I'm like, I don't want people to notice me. But when the questions were like, would you rather make the decisions or work with somebody else's decisions? I'm like, I'd rather make the decision. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't Still, trust. A, a 27. <laughs> Apparently it's high. I don't know. <laughs> um, anyway, here we are. Uh, the rumors are true. <laughs> yeah, well, so I'm, I'm, I'm spaced out on viruses in my chest. But, uh, right. but we're going we're gonna to make this work. Yeah, well, it might end up being a little shorter, yeah. uh, and, and some of you might appreciate that. Like a half dozen, no, more than that, like eight or ten people wrote me saying, 
Hey, where's the show? Yeah, yeah. I got a lot of tweets, a lot of, <laughs> a lot of email about like, what's going on? Yeah, what's well, gonna... it'll be up in a few minutes. I love uh, that. So great. Where do you want to uh, start? Okay, so, so uh, I, I, I'm looking at cameras as a whole. Okay. Uh, and, and, and some of the things that, that, that various sites are writing. And, and I want to just, I wanted to talk about this whole full frame versus cropped thing for a minute. Sure. Not from the argument of, oh, it's bigger and bigger and make sure, you know, it's actually what you see through the field of view. I don't care about any of that. Right. That might be important, but that's not what's, what's <clears throat> concerning me at the moment. Okay. What's concerning uh, you at the moment? Well, it, you, you've got, uh, I, I want to look at the physics of it a little bit. Okay. So you, you, you've got a, a 16 megapixel crop sensor. Right. Okay. Versus, let's say, a, a, a 24 megapixel full frame sensor. Shouldn't those be fairly equivalent in that the photo sites that are gathering light are going to be similar sizes? Yes. Of those two that you're talking about, yes. So then how how is it that that the there's a luminous landscape article that we'll we'll put in the show notes uh that uh the guy comes out and says that the new sony a7s which is uh another iteration of of sony's full frame compact camera the a7 there's the a7 the a7r and now the a7s who is this for okay well we'll get to that in a minute okay so the a7 is a 24 megapixel full frame sensor right the A7R is 36 megapixel full frame right. sensor. So the same sensor is in the D800. Probably something similar. Yeah. yeah. No anti-aliasing filter. Right. Okay. And then the A7S is a 12 megapixel full frame sensor that this this guy on on Luminous Landscape, who is very well respected and I'm sure knows what he's talking about. Yep. Uh, Michael Reichman, I like him. Yeah, claims that that the A7S is approaching medium format quality, and I'm I'm just it's got my head all twisted around. If a 12 well, megapixel, I think f- I think what he's saying is not that it has medium format resolution. I think what he's saying is that the quality of the pixels that are there are almost to the level of medium format, which makes sense because. Pixels of that size are what's on medium format sensors because the medium format sensors are bigger. Okay, so we're we're talking <clears throat> like tonal quality, dynamic range. Yeah, tonal that's range, probably that the stuff he's talking about. Color yeah. fidelity. He's not talking about how big you could print the thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you you know, pixels at a certain point, the, pixels still matter, right? You know, sure. I, I went to a Pentax event to play with that six four five Z in a more controlled setting the other day. Mm-hmm. It's like at a certain point, you know, if you need pixels, you still need more pixels. Um, the, there are a lot of advantages to the crop sensor cameras. Um, if, if you are somebody who shoots with long lenses, you get a lot more reach. You know what I mean? A 200 sure. acts like a 320 or whatever it is like, you know, that kind of thing. Um, the, and, and the technology has gotten better when, when the first crop censored cameras came out and then the full frame cameras came out, the full frame were a big step up because, uh, bigger photo sites, you know, and, and, you know, and people who were film people who were used to the focal lengths and all the stuff you were talking about earlier, sure. you know, they want to look through the thing and see 50. Um, there is a difference. I, you know, I, I took, um, that picture I did with the girl rowing with the cello. Right. Um, I needed a, a picture of a, um, canoe. And so a uh, friend of the show, Mitch Sevier, took this picture for me on a 
24 megapixel crop Nikon. Okay. Um, and it looks great and it does, it's perfect for what I need. So, so like maybe put, like a, without knowing, maybe like probably a D7100. I think that's, that's what it was, range. something along okay. those lines. Okay. And it was fine. It looked great. It was, you know, just what I need. Mitch did a good job. But there was something about it where it kind of felt like that the pixels were so densely packed in that sometimes you get that where it don't, it doesn't feel like a scanned piece of film. It feels more like a digital file. And it's it's very difficult for me to say this, but okay. Then, then why wouldn't why wouldn't those same criticisms I, yeah. crop up? Uh, no pun intended. Uh, when talking about these thirty six megapixel, right? If you're, if you're if you're cramming sort of just as many, right? Uh, well, it, I think it would be that. more like a forty two megapixel or forty five megapixel full frame. So it's I think it's a little heavier. Cr- I think I think it's it's even denser than the full frame thirty six megapixel. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's what it is. You know, there's also it, the advantage of the crop sensors are also using the middle of the the circle, right? Uh, that's coming through the lens, so you don't have to worry about as much about vignetting or uh, sharpness in the corners because you're already sort of cropping the image to the center. You know, sure, sure. Um, the big thing for me as an optical viewfinder user is that there's sort of an inherent brightness, size, quality of the viewfinder in a large in a full frame camera. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the main reasons I use one is because I, I, I want to be able to look through and actually see it better. I, I would invite <laughs> you to go look at, if you haven't already, the X-T1 viewfinder. It is, it is really beautiful. Yeah, I, I have not seen I have seen this Sony A7, and I was not impressed with the viewfinder on the Sony. Mm-hmm. And never, a lot of people, other people were, and I was like, eh, this is really... I mean, yeah, it's better, but they're all better in degrees. And maybe it'll get to the point where someday I'll pick one up and go, wow, that's really cool. Right. I just There's something about looking at a TV set versus looking through the lens, which I just can't. Sure. It's, it's weird to me, you know, I just, I, like I said, I just wondered yeah. about the whole thing behind it. Cause it seems like for, for a few years now, 16 megapixel was the sweet spot. Uh, and now we're, we're I, getting I, to for, I think for, it for might crop be. sensors. Yeah. I think 16 crop sensors. So you get things like the, uh, the, the Fuji uh, sensor they use in all their, Right. Higher end ones. But, but now the rumor <laughs> has it that, that their next camera, uh, possibly an X100T yeah. and uh, the X-Pro2 is 24 megapixel. Yeah, we'll you know, see. Where, where Nikon is. with And I, is, doesn't, uh, does Canon have a 24 crop? Uh, I don't think so, but I'm so out of the loop with every yeah, camera model yeah, that comes yeah. out. Um, yeah, I mean, like that. those pictures that I got from Mitch, I mean, technically... That's two more megapixels than I have. I mean, in the in real world stuff, it's like, you know, a couple hundred pixels in each direction or whatever it is, or maybe a hundred right. pixels. It's not, you know, a big deal. Um, <clears throat> but but I never, I, I've never seen the same sort of, um, there's sort of an effortlessness sometimes to the bigger sensors, which is one of the things that people like about like medium format sensors and whatnot. Where the files that come out, it's like it didn't have to work as hard to do it somehow. Sure. And, and the pictures just look a little smoother because of that. There's also a weird argument that people make, which I don't know if anybody's ever proved, uh, which is the reason why medium format and even large format have a different, a better look. Part of it is sort of this idea that the lens didn't have to do as much work to shrink it to such a small size. Okay. You know, like think about a four by five versus a Hasselblad, like a, you know, a a six by six centimeter versus full frame 35 versus crop sensor. It's like 
Well, assuming you get it the same field of view and the same general picture, you know, using different lenses or whatever, um, it's, you know, it's shrinking it to a thing that's four by five or shrinking it to a thing the size of a postage stamp. Right. You know, there's a certain inherent squeezing of the light down to a smaller place is, is doing something that's, that's, that's not ideal, you know? Right. Right. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Okay. I don't know if I go for that. I was just curious. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking at, at them and I, it, and I'm wondering, are these differences circa 2014 moving into 2015 in, in, you know, several months, is it as big a deal as it was in 2009, 2010? Uh, I are think we closing the gap? Uh, yeah, I think we are. I mean, the pictures that I got out of that Fuji, the files are amazing. Way mm-hmm. better than any crop sensor SLR that I've ever used. But mm-hmm. it doesn't have a AA filter, which is a big part of it. Um, right. Okay. Because I like that stuff. I, I think I think it's gotten a lot better. I think that the crop cameras are great. Uh, I think some people also, and this is a weird thing, like a slightly bigger body. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like the feel of the five D in my hands. You know, yes, I could shoot with a digital Rebel or a you know T three T four I whatever. You know, I could sure I could shoot with that. But it doesn't feel the same way in the hands. Like I like, I kind of like the heft, right? Uh, of especially with like the bigger, you know, like these big L glass primes that weigh a lot. There's sort of a counterbalance thing to it. You know, it's like a center of gravity. Yeah, um, you know, that's that's one of the things Patrick pointed out about using. He used an A7 for a little while and put a big lens on it. And he said it was so front heavy. Because it's, you know, you have this tiny little thing on the end of it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And with the, the adapter, you can put the uh, the other Canon lenses on it, apparently. And it just was kind of really off balance to use. Yeah. And, and so, I mean, those things are, are, I mean, they're not image quality things. They're sort of ergonomic kind of things. Sure. sure. It's one of the reasons why I did, when I played, I, I mean, I I went to Adorama one day and just picked one of these things up and was playing with it for a minute, the Sony A7 or whatever. And... um that's one of the things it's like, yeah, it's small and yeah, it's, you know, it's angular and kind of what I'm like, but do I need my camera to be that much smaller? Like, you know what I mean? So it's sort of the whole thing where it's like the new iPhone is one millimeter, you know, thinner. It's like, well, you know, keep the millimeter and just give me a bigger battery. Like I don't, we're at the point where I don't need it to be smaller or thinner or whatever. Uh, You know, it's, it's, it's not that big to begin with, you know? Right. Um, So there's sort of a, I don't know. It's like they've got to give up that ghost a little bit, you know. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. What's next? Uh, well, Edge of Tomorrow. Let's, like, let's go there. You like that movie? Yeah, we've both seen it now. Yep. Uh, I did like it. I like it a lot. And I, I wonder is are are we seeing? And we talked about this in in terms of photography several times. Are we seeing a reinvention of Tom Cruise, or or is he? God, I are, hope so. Or is it, yeah. or is it a refinement? You know, oh, if, 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 if Tom Cruise the actor, or Tom Cruise the character in the the you know both. The, okay, mostly the character. It's what one thing. First of all, is is very funny, and I'm sure somebody else is writing this stuff for him. But his his Twitter profile now reads uh, "Running in movies since 1981," which, which is, is actually really funny. Kind of genius, yeah. Um, yeah. I, you know, um, but, I, I, I've always liked Tom Cruise, even... I like Tom Cruise, but I, <clears throat> I like him more when he's not being so Tom cruise Yeah, yeah. I like him when he's flawed versus when he's, you know... Do you, ever, you ever listen to that uh, um, the, um, Jonathan Colton song, Tom Cruise Crazy? No. <laughs> it's the, the chorus is, Tom Cruise is Tom Cruise Crazy, just be glad it's him, not you. <laughs> nice. If you had Tom Cruise's troubles, you might be Tom Cruise Crazy, too. <laughs> <laughs> nice. 
nice. Um, uh, I, I will say uh, you'd be hard pressed to find someone more passionate and committed to the craft of movie making. Oh, he's really into it. He's yeah. he's he is not I, a guy I, who goes to his trailer and says, "Wake me up when I need to yeah, come on." Yeah. He's like he's there. He's in. It. He's he's in it. Yeah, and I and I really did enjoy this movie. I, yeah. I liked it a lot. It is a cute movie. Uh, it, you know, it's not the best movie of. It's not it's not the abyss, but it is uh, it is pretty darn good. Um, I do love the speech that they wrote for uh for Bill Paxton. Paxton, yeah, 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 yeah. so great. Uh, what do you so so is your? I mean, did you want to go deeper into the whole reinvention refinement well, I thing? Just, I don't know. I mean, it's, it seems like, I guess I'm wondering is, is, is the, because the tone of his movies are different. Yes. He's still kind of saving the world, but there's a, there's a different quality to his character. And I wonder there's a maturity if to his acting too. Yeah. And I wonder if it's, if it's out of necessity that he's reinventing himself or is it just an evolution of maturity? Like you just said, um, I think it's that, you know, times are changing and I think he has done enough movies that he really knows what he wants. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, nowadays he probably produces 80, 90% of the things he does, right? I mean, sort of just all in. Uh, right. So they're sort of Tom Cruise productions, <laughs> even if they're not, you know. Sure. Um, I, <clears throat> I think that I think that it's a refinement of Tom Cruise. I think that if... Tom Cruise had a few years where his movies didn't speak as well. And I like even edge of tomorrow. I thought that the trailer was terrible Mm -hmm. as far as making it feel like, Oh man, I want to see that movie. Um, It made it look like it was exhausting, which the movie wasn't, you know, and, and, and Conrad's big thing on super fantastic nerd hour, because they talked about it a couple weeks ago was just like, man, you should have made the, 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 uh, the trailer be like all Emily blunt being badass. Like that would, you know, Bring her in yeah, a lot she, more. She was kind of a uh, 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 river from Serenity. Yeah. And you know what? I could watch Emily Blunt do her little downward dog thing all day long. The snake well, or whatever of, that move is. Of course you could. Wow. Because of course you could. Beautiful. Uh, uh, I, I really dug it. But I, but I, I, I guess I guess what I'm saying is that I think that, that um, Tom Cruise has always been Tom Cruise. I think that the music, the music, <laughs> this is, this is the, drugs talking actually i'm not sure. even on any drugs what the hell's wrong with me um the uh i think the movie business is coming back around to where he was and i think that's a good thing do you understand what i'm saying like i don't in think terms that of he's what? changed in terms of putting more into craft of, of making pictures maybe, or what or just that um maybe his sensibilities are are more respected i feel like for a while he was being used as oh we need a we need a hero so get tom cruise and, right okay and I think now people are now looking at it and saying, well, Tom Cruise can actually act. So why don't we let him really do his thing? Let him do what he, what he does. Yeah. You know, <clears throat> and I think that, I think the character, uh, is, is, is a constant. Obvi- I mean, obviously the character in the movie is like trying to do the same thing over and over again to get to a different place. Right. Um, and I think so. I think that's like the definition of refinement, right? Sure. It's like, I know where the goal is and, and I know the last that, time I tried kind of- it, it didn't work. Isn't that kind of funny that that's that's kind of Tom Cruise's career too? Yeah, doing doing kind of the same thing over and over again until you kind of get where you need to go. Yeah, and uh, you know, and you know, you and I have had lots of discussions on the whole reinvention refinement thing, and right, I tend to lean on the refinement side, and you tend to lean on the reinvention side. Um, 
But I think this is a good example of where refinement can work, you know? Sure. Tom Cruise sure. Is, is, if anything, better now than he's ever been as an actor and as a movie maker. Um, and it's because he's just kind of put his nose down and just, you know, done his thing for 30 years, you yeah. know? Uh, and, and while I'm sure he looks at reviews and has to deal with all that crap from everybody else that everyone else looks at, I don't think he cares that much. I think he really just wants to make great movies. Right. And if it makes the hundred million dollars, great. If it doesn't make it a well, hundred million dollars, if it makes $500 million, great. If it makes a hundred million dollars and barely, you know, hits its budget, then, you know, right. <clears throat> and I, well, I like that about him. It's, it's kind of the, uh, is it, uh, is it in the war? I think it's in the war of art where, you know, Pressfield says he, he, he finishes a book and, and his agent's like, yeah, okay, now start the next one. You know, you've done it now, now yeah. put it aside and get onto the next yeah, that's one. Great. And that's great. Can we, uh, yeah. Yeah. That's the way he seems to be in terms of, okay, this one's in the can. What's next? Now I'm looking for the next one. Well, that's, I, and there was that interview on Nerdist. Did we talk about that on the show? God, I'm so spacey today. Uh, well, Cruz? Yeah. On, on Nerd- we talked no, about I just that. listened to that the other day, as a matter of fact. It's I don't pretty listen interesting. to that show. I don't was, either. <clears throat> he seemed much more approachable than I've ever heard him. Yes. And, and, and that he's very endearing in that interview. Um, mm-hmm. and one of the, but one of the things, uh, that he that he talks about um is sort of this th- this idea that he's he's got six balls in the air at all times so he's working on this movie but he's actually starting the other movie while he's filming right. this movie and there's three ideas in the hopper that are going to be in pre-production right by the time and, he starts working on the next one that seems to be where he right. lives now part of that is that he's just incredibly successful you know sure so that makes perfect sense um but it but there's also this sort of um you know, he might be like I am sort of realizing that I am in the sense that I realize that I'm better when I'm busy. Mm-hmm. I'm a better, I'm a, both a better photographer. I, I, I'm growing more, all those things, but I'm also a better human being when I'm busy. You know, like the less time for me to uh, overthink or overanalyze or, or compare, you know, yeah. all those things. It's like, I'm too busy. I'm like, uh, you know, past few weeks I've just been, it's like I've been off the rocker doing stuff and it's like it's been great because it's like yeah. I, I don't have time to be depressed you know um oh, I, I still have time so i <laughs> so i think maybe tom cruise is one of those though you know where yeah, yeah. where he knows that if he stops the ball rolling that that's really bad so i'm just never going to stop the ball from rolling yeah and it's mm. now maybe that's true and maybe that's not true maybe he's terrified of that maybe that's like his ultimate you know therapist failure Right. Is sort of realizing that like, you know, if you didn't make another movie for a year, the world would still keep going. Right. You know, but he even talks in that interview that he's just like, I, I don't like going on vacation. I don't know what to do. Yeah. He's, you know? he's always, he's always looking for the next thing. Yeah. Like a day in, I'm, I'm trying to figure out how I can make a movie out of the location I'm in or whatever, you know? Yeah. And, and, and I, I'm sort of that way too. I don't, I mean, I like going and visiting places. Uh, somebody put up some pictures from Yosemite the other day on the group and, it's like, I love Yosemite and whatever, but like, I'll go there for a couple of days, but I can't stay there for two weeks camping, just sitting there. Like that would drive me crazy. Um, yeah, but, but just not you're, you're kind of the opposite. I, going on vacation with you sounds exhausting. Yeah. You no, know, I want to do stuff and see stuff. I don't want to just yeah. meander. I, I am a meanderer. Right. Right. So I like the me. And, and in fact, uh, we'll get to this in a minute, but well, I, you, yeah. you know, there's, um, there's a, there's a movie on Netflix right now called tiny. Uh, it's about tiny houses. 
Oh yeah, okay, okay. Uh, and and everyone should go see it anyway. The, there, so it's it's about this guy out in Colorado who decides to make a tiny house, which is like a little eighty square foot house on a on a on a truck trailer, essentially. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and some of them are incredible. Yeah, it's like it's like a whole movement. This thing, this tiny house thing. Um, well, his girlfriend in the movie and the co-director is actually a friend of mine who lives a half a block away. Hmm. Um, named Marette Mueller, and and uh, and I met her after she did the movie. And there's an interesting part in it which I think speaks to you and I a lot, and in which he's talking about how he bought some land in the middle of nowhere in Colorado, like no utilities, no whatever. And he was going to just park this little tiny house on the land and, you know, he could wake up and there the mountains and, you know, whatever, you know, that whole thing. Sure. And uh, she's sitting there at one point and she's like, you know, and I think they were dating at the time and then they kind of went their separate ways at the end of the movie. But, um, you know, he says he, he says that and then she said, you know, that feeling that you get when you imagine yourself waking up and, and looking out and seeing the mountains. She goes, when I wake up and walk out of my house, I want to be on a city street. Right. It's just, it's, it's not, one's not better or worse. It's just how you're kind of wired. You know what I mean? Um, and it's just interesting that it, even within a single relationship, there are, you know, op- complete opposite ends of the spectrum sure. on, on seeing that. And it, anyway, you should, I'll put it in the show notes. It's actually a, a pretty interesting, like hour and 10 minute documentary. Interesting. Um, yeah. But, but it, but it kind of gets to this heart of, uh, you know, what kind of person it's like, uh, you know, it's like, I, I feel like there's, <clears throat> I always feel like time is running out. Um, that, that, uh, well, it is. Yeah it, it, yeah, it is. Of course, yeah. Um, and that makes me anxious. Um, but but I wonder, is it? Are you are you anxious to the point where you're always so busy doing, yeah. or trying to do that that you miss you miss things? Yeah, maybe you 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 miss you miss some of the detail because yeah. you're you're Could you're be. focusing on the big stuff. I don't know. It's 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 an impossible question to answer because there's no way to have a control group, you know. Um, right. I I do know that, you know, when I shoot portraits and stuff, if it was funny cuz a couple weeks ago I was shooting that Ryan Lewis's mom, Macklemore and Ryan Lewis. Yeah. His his Ryan Lewis's mom. Okay. Um, Mrs. Lewis. Mrs. Lewis cuz she's yeah. she is HIV positive. She she got AIDS or HIV through a blood transfusion in 1984 after she had her first baby. She bled a lot, so they gave her blood transfusion. Oh and she didn't find out about it until 1992 when she got a call from her doctor that oh wherever gosh. the blood came from, it turned out that guy was positive then and they just never tested for it back then. And, oh, and wow. she had had two kids in the meantime, including Ryan, and neither of them got the fire. So apparently it's like a 25% chance or something. Like there's wow. some sort of... Anyway, long and story short of it is that we were on the set, and a lot of times that I do shoots for magazines, like I, I had another shoot this morning with this guy for the for city of New York, um, and you know we're in his office and we're taking pictures, and all these office buildings are really ugly inside and whatever. <clears throat> but it's generally just me there, maybe an assistant, depending on the budget and what I'm trying to do. Um, but the other day when I was shooting this Ryan Lewis's mom, there was the art director was there, the editor was there, but there was like five or six people there, which is fine. And one of the things about it, and it, this is getting back to what you were saying, is that I'll be so fixated on making sure that I'm getting the eye contact I want or sort of the overall feel of the way they're sitting that I want or whatever it is. I won't notice that their tie is sticking out the bottom of the jacket. Right. Or, you know what I mean? Because sure. it's like I can't concentrate on 12 things at once. 
Sure. You know, I, I have to, you have to narrow your focus. So in some ways, it's nice to have somebody else there to go, hold on a second. I got to, we got to move his tie or, you know what I mean? Or whatever. Right. Right. <clears throat> or seeing hair that's kind of fly away yeah, yeah, or, exactly. or a skirt right. that's, that's right. not folding yeah. correctly or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And then sure. it's, it, it, but it's funny how it's like you can't, even though the minute you come home and you open them up in Lightroom or whatever, you're looking at the pictures, you, you see it instantly. You go, Oh shoot, the guy's tie or the skirt or whatever. Yeah. Um, damn it. I should have, if I fixed that, it would have saved me a lot of time in post or no, there's nothing I could do about it or what have you. Um, but there's, there's something about that where it's nice to have somebody else there to be worrying about those kinds of details. Right. The thing is, is that for me, I'd, I'd much rather get an interesting photograph of that person or what I consider interesting uh, with a flaw in it. Like the button was unbuttoned rather than a perfect quote unquote picture where everything was perfectly in place, but the person looks so stiff that you don't get any sense of who they are. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting. It's like, I am concentrating on details that I care about, but those might not necessarily be details in the larger grand scheme of details. Right. You know? So yeah, it's, it's, it's just a different way of looking at it, you know? Yeah. Uh, What's this borrowing a life? Borrowing a life. Um, Two things. Okay. Oh, oh uh, I got, can I mention I, yesterday, finally, a yeah. few hiccups, but yesterday posted uh, my conversation with David Duchemin. Oh, yeah. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. I, he, I, <laughs> I enjoyed hitting upload quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I love talking to David. And, and we, you, talk, you use the word meandering, which is kind of funny because that's how he described it. And he, he posted about it on a beautifulanarchy.com and, uh, and said it, it referred to it as a meandering conversation, which I take as a, as a, as a great compliment because I Do you I think like, other people would take that as a rip? I don't know. Um, I don't think he meant it. As a, as uh, a I don't either. I I'm, yeah. Um, I tend to, I I tend to like the details that are in the creases. I tend to like sure. the rabbit holes, and I think that's where we find some interesting things. And and th- although it is, th- this this conversation is you know ostensibly about his new book. That's one of the reasons we had the conversation. Um, it's not about the book. It's about the intent behind the book, which I think is much more interesting in that it doesn't feel like we're just saying, Hey, let's sit down and talk about this book. Yeah. Um, we were so talking, David, talk about the process of creating. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> Not that at all. Um, it, it's, I, I really enjoyed the conversation. And, and again, for those of you who listened last week, uh, very thankful that David gave me the opportunity to do a redo on it, but it's it, it leading up to it. I had a lot of anxiety, which is probably not surprising. The filming or the releasing? Uh, all of it. Okay. All of it. You know, the, 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 the making is one level of anxiety because, you know, going back to what you just said about your shoot, I'm thinking about levels. I'm thinking about, do I have to do pickups? Did that come off well? Am I talking over somebody? Is he talking over me? Does right. it make any sense? Am I, you know, is, is there a, a, a larger arc that I'm staying within or am I going off on too many tangents? So it's, it's unlistenable to anyone, including me. Right. Uh, so there's all those things going through my head while I'm, while I'm, trying to let go of them and do it right and be present um and then there's the 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 anxiety of releasing it into the world because you don't you know yes you want to make art for you and yes you want to make things that you like and and ultimately i listen to it back 
Oh, let's just go with a few times. Um, <laughs> <laughs> let, let's say a few. Uh, Seriously, and how I many really, times? Uh, probably six or seven. Wait, hold on a second. Do you listen to On Taking Pictures? Yes. Every week? Yes. Interesting. Okay, go ahead. Because every week is a chance for me to do it better the next week. Okay, every week is a fair. chance for me to, to be more present or, or, <clears throat> or notice some of the things that I, or try and notice some of the things that I do that annoy me and, and in turn might annoy other people. Yep. Okay. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a process. It's, it's, it's a, it's, it's a refinement, Bill. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm watching, I'm watching Deadwood the other night, rewatching Deadwood, which is a terrific series that was on hbo is timothy oliphant in the in the show timothy oliphant is yeah he plays bullock as uh, oliphantastic as uh, oliphantastic what's his name yeah. calls him yeah yeah and he is and 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 it's it reminds me very much of the west wing in that there is dialogue and dialogue and dialogue and dialogue and and for for them to not only memorize but deliver the dialogue in the way that they do is very impressive mm-hmm uh, I've never watched it. It's a it's a terrific show. Okay. Uh, Ian McShane uh, is in it. Um, oh, uh, Brad Dourif, uh, who you probably have seen in he's in Lord of the Rings. He's in all kinds of stuff. Um, yeah. Anyway, great cast. Uh, but there's a line that Bullock's character, Oliphant, uh, his his brother dies, okay. and he Oliphant. <laughs> marries his brother's widow and takes on his brother's child as his own. Okay. Weird. Yeah. As as kind of a, this is, you know, this is my duty type of a thing. Right. Yep. Uh, and, and the line that he, he's talking to, to Seth, his partner or, uh, yeah, no. Yeah. Yeah. He's talking to his partner and he says, they're talking about his brother and he says, maybe he sees me borrowing a life so I don't have to live my own. Yeah. And I thought, wow, wow, wait a minute. Yeah. How many of us, myself included, yep. borrow someone else's life or, or, or we don't live an authentic life yep. to what we want to live? Or, yeah, or we make decisions based on social norms or whatever have you. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And it, it got me thinking about this conversation with David, who, who is – while he will tell you he is an introvert, he's also a great leaper. He's also great at, I'm going to take my Jeep and I'm going to drive 40,000 miles and see what I come up with. At, or At the point at which you, let's say you claim to be an introvert, but obviously you have found ways to overcome that drive or yes. that fear. Are you still an introvert? Because at the point at which you've figured out ways to overcome it, aren't you no longer that thing? I think No. And, and we talked about that and, and David pointed out that he finds fuel that is then expended not being an introvert, whether it's talking at, at a, you know, going to a party or talking in front of people or doing, doing our show, doing the, the conversation that we had. So he's saying that talking in front of people or doing your show expends a certain that amount of energy. That expends that fuel. And then so he's that, that, go, doesn't, that doesn't drive him, that exhausts him. Yes. It's, mm. it's the alone time out in the forest or, or the, the alone time with his camera or in his car or those are the things that refuel. And I can relate to that quite a bit. I, I can be on, in quotes, mm-hmm. 
for bursts at a time, this show included, but after it, I need to just go be alone and recharge or yeah, interesting or whatever. And yeah, I, I, I get fuel from doing the show, from taking the pictures, from giving the talk. I get so I'm the from the show, but it's a different kind of fuel. Yeah. That's sort know? of like a mental, like therapy fuel. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it got me thinking about this whole thing about, and, and this is maybe a word that we've used or overused as authenticity and, and leading a life that is, that is true to what you want to do and, yep. and, and who you want to be. And, yep. and all of this thing, all of this stuff gets back to our, our discussion about what is a creative life. And it doesn't, yeah. a creative life doesn't mean that you're making art. Right. It but, doesn't mean that you're, yeah. you can be a creative parent. You yep. can be a creative plumber. You can be a creative automotive technician or mechanic. I mean, there are, there are, there are chances to be creative and to live a creative, fulfilling life without boiling it down to m- making what the status quo would call art. My, my only thought about this, and it, it, those are very similar sort of thoughts to what Todd Reynolds and I were discussing on the little thing we, I shot mm-hmm. a while back, mm-hmm. um, which I'm waiting for Todd to write some music for, and then we'll finish up and put it out. Right. Um, right. But yeah, the, the, this sort of sense of authenticity, because that's one of Todd's big things. And my only question, this is a devil's advocate thing, not like what I really think, think like I Mm want to believe that. But then part of me goes, yeah, but how do I know what I think is authentic is actually authentic or not just something I picked up somewhere else? You know, other than other than sort of a a hunch, Mm -hmm. you know, Um, and maybe that's all it is. Maybe it really is just. Maybe it's a, well, but maybe, maybe it's not singular. Maybe it's a recurring hunch that you can look back on and go, oh, okay. I see a pattern here. Yeah. You know, almost like when we've talked about uh, looking back on, on a body of work and seeing a through line, you don't see the through line when you're creating the work, but in, in hindsight, when you look back on it, you go, oh, here's what I was doing. Yeah. And and I think both are valid. I think saying, I want to create a body of work that, that says this or does this or represents this is perfectly valid. It, it is a, it is a very gray area though, right? The whole thing is a very gray concept. The whole, uh, what, what is thing in this? Authenticity. Um, in, well, the, yeah. in the sense that it's different for everyone and it's almost impossible to define. Sure. And it, it's, it has the added caveat of, <laughs> of having become sort of one of these buzzwords like creativity uh, that, that gets yeah, that's co-opted that's willy nilly, yeah, yeah. you know, and, and, and it becomes um, almost a meme of sorts. You know, I, I look at my own life and I'm thinking, okay, what if, you know, money notwithstanding, what would I do? That's that, that, that classic sort of, you know, if you won the lottery, what would you do? Right. And it, it's gotten, so, me- so you're going to mime school? I am going to mime school. Okay, yeah. cool. Uh, I, it's gotten me thinking about what I would do. And, and, you know, David's doing this, this trip. He's doing two big trips. One big trip is, is, is uh, driving across Canada from, from Vancouver uh, to uh, Nova Scotia and then up into Newfoundland and back. Then next year, uh, around taking a trip around the world, spending a whole year traveling around the world. Right now, he pays for this by selling the books that he, where he writes about his the pictures and the the, the story of doing these things. 
I'm I'm not sure. I would imagine some of it comes from running Craft and Vision. I would imagine right, some of it right, comes from right. print sales. Some yeah. of it comes from books. Uh, yeah. You know, it, one of the things that I that I love about looking at David's career is there's there's not one thing. There are a bunch of a bunch of sort of streams working together to fill the larger thing. Mm-hmm. You know, and I and I really like that. It, it I think that it gives you a chance to to grow and and explore different outlets but it also it also allows for for different avenues of that expression to reach people you know if if you are a more visual person then maybe you're going to appreciate somebody's photographs if they do write as well maybe you appreciate that more if they're a filmmaker maybe you appreciate that more um but it's just got me thinking about you know are you are you concerned that you actually are borrowing a life Sometimes. Oh, okay. Or m- maybe not borrowing, but not being as true to myself as I could be or should be. Right. You know, I think about this, this, this idea of traveling. If, what, if, what if I took a year? What if I took 2015 or whatever and, yeah. and said, I'm going to travel the country and I'm going to look for stories? You know, sort of, sort of like, like radio diaries or, 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 uh, um, uh, oh, what's the, what's the name of it? Story Corps, mm-hmm. you know, where they, 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 they've got this, this, uh, Airstream trailer that's been gutted and, and converted to a studio and they go around and they look for stories, you know, because I do love these stories and I do love talking to people and, and maybe that's jumping in with both feet. I don't know. I don't know. Sounds like fun. I'm, I'm curious to see where this show is going to go. Yep. Um, I'm curious to see what people think of it. I think David was a was a really sort of wonderful and and serendipitous happening for the first episode because it's 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 talking to him is is many of the things that I wonder about anyway. So I think it, it was a really great conversation. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Look for it on Fade and Blur, by the way. We'll yeah, put a link. We will put a link in the um, show notes. But it's got me thinking about all these things of, of, of uh, fear and, and, and doubt and, and where it is that I am versus should be. And, you know, I, I wrestle with this because on the one hand, I think I'm exactly where I should be because that's leading me to the next thing, you know? And if yeah. I changed something 10 years ago, you know, if I, if I had taken the gig and yep. stayed in New York and, and the butterfly on- effect of life. Yeah, if I stayed in New York and worked on Thelma and Louise, would that have that would put me in a different trajectory? That would have put me in a different direction. She could have would been I be married s- to Susan Sarandon right now? That's right. yeah, right. Uh, you know, it, so on the other, you know, the, the other side of that is I don't have any regret because here's where I am. My 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 concern is just where to go to next. And do I, do I let that happen? Yeah, or but that, do I that inflection point existed when you were 25, when you were 30, when you were 35, when you were 40. It existed, but I don't know that I was aware of it. In fact, yeah, I do know right. that I wasn't aware of it. Right. But I guess my point is that, um, you know, you could have made changes at any one of those or all of those. I, I, you know, I, yes, it's true that, you know, anything that you happen in your life up until now could change where you are now. Mm-hmm. But, you know, putting aside religious stuff you have one shot to go through all this stuff there is no right or wrong answer no but but you you know it's it's the adage you know you're not ready to hear it until you're ready to hear it sure yeah you know uh so for you it's 
73, it's, huh? That's right. You know, somebody <laughs> like Anthony Bourdain, who I have an enormous amount of respect for, didn't become the Anthony Bourdain that you know now until he was 45. Yeah. You know, that's, that's when, when it kind of hit for him. Yeah. You know, was he ready for that beforehand? Maybe, but all of that beforehand led up to that, that singularity yeah. when the rest of his life happened. You know, a little roundabout is that the whole Dr. Drew thing at the beginning of this conversation. Yes. Um, it got me thinking about the Adam Carolla guy. And I was like, where the heck did Adam Carolla come from? You know, like, where did he, you know, and is that his, that's his co-host. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah okay. was his co-host back on the TV show. And now is, you know, Adam Carolla has his own. He's like, you know, he's a comic, right? He's a, yeah. But he's a podcasting guy. Like he's like number two podcaster in the world. Huh? Adam Carolla shows huge. Um, and, uh, and you know, you go look at his stuff and you know, he was working odd jobs and working as a carpenter and a kickboxing coach. And at the time, Jimmy Kimmel was a radio personality. This is the early nineties. And, decided to do something where he was going to do a kickboxing match with some other guy for charity or something like that. All right. And Adam Carolla like called him up and told him that he'd be his coach. Okay. And they became friends. And that's how Adam Carolla got into the business. Huh? And a year later he got an agent. And then six months after that, he got called and got love line. So from being a carpenter and a coach and a, you know, martial arts coach to being on MTV in a year and a half. Yeah. For no so it's not like he was working as a stand-up comic for 26 years right, and then suddenly right. got discovered. It can come out of nowhere and it could come out of, it could never get there going the traditional route, you know. So right. it's like you can't uh a friend of Conrad's uh we were talking about a friend of hers the other day and they were saying, you know, it's like it, this whole idea of I've done everything right. And it still hasn't worked out for whatever the reason. Right. You know, either my job or my relationship or, you know, my parents or whatever it is. Like, I've done everything right. How come it didn't work? It's because life doesn't work like that, you know? That that there there is always a few percentage even even when you think you have things totally locked down, there's a few percentage where there's a guy rolling dice. You know? And I don't know, it's just interesting. It's like that's that's sort of a and and I think that that is a <clears throat> classic example of somebody who probably ultimately did borrow a life right i did everything somebody asked me to do jeffrey why didn't i end up where they said i would it's like well because you did what they told you to do not what you wanted to do right you know right. there's there's a big part of that well it, it, you know harrison ford same thing yeah. he was working as a carpenter building yeah. uh giorgio Moroder's recording studio now look at him with a broken leg yeah <laughs> yeah well that's a mess did he really break his leg uh, who knows? That's some what reports I, that's what say I heard. ankle. Some reports say leg. Some reports say hip. Uh, I, I I read something yesterday that said they were either going to have to postpone filming six months because he is such an integral part of episode seven, or do a massive rewrite of the script to make Disney's well, that would launch suck. date. I would wait it out. <clears throat> yeah. Well, yeah, but then again, they spent all the money on PR. Anyway, let's move on. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so interesting discussion. Yeah. Uh, to 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 be continued. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, Craig Vandershagen. Yep. Is that, is that how you would pronounce that? Uh, probably. He writes us an email every once in a while. Sorry, Craig, if we butchered your name. Uh, he wrote a, he wrote an email to us about, uh, how important it is to make art free or affordable. Mm-hmm. And he goes on talking about what free means, what affordable means. 
excuse me. Um, and just the idea of how much waste there is in just, you know, people print stuff out and then it never gets seen and, you know, whatever. Sure. And it kind of clicked this little light bulb in my head that said, maybe the answer isn't that everyone buys a ton of art. Maybe it's that we have art libraries so people can put stuff on their wall for a certain amount of time, basically take it out of the communal art storage thing. You know what I mean? So to t- take a painting, leave a painting. Yeah. Or, you know, like, oh, I'm, you know, yes, I have this for six weeks on my wall, this photograph by, you know, Walker Evans, say just on a you know pie in the sky thing. Sure. And then six weeks later, you take it back and you pick up something by, you know, just Sally Mann. And then somebody else can pick up the Walker Evans and put it on their wall for a while. You know, <clears throat> I just I like this idea of it almost being a uh, a rotation thing. Mm-hmm. You know, like where's a, the like, revenue model? Where where does Walker Evans get paid? Well, where do galleries get paid? It's municipal funds generally. You know, so well, this, the galleries things are for sale, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm just no, but I'm what I'm saying is that you know you have you have <clears throat> this is all pie in the sky stuff, but you sure. have you know the my neighborhood of of in Brooklyn, you know, will have an art library and and everyone pays in a little bit or they get money from the city. And they go buy some art and then people can take it out and put, you know what I mean? Like, I just, mm-hmm. I just think of the idea of interesting. Yeah. I just, yeah. I just like the idea of, uh, not wasting art, but also not, I mean, you just like the idea of having people being able to show things to on the, have stuff on the wall and, and be able to look at beautiful things yeah. all the time. And I was just thinking of crazy ways to do that, which didn't involve spending a lot of money all the time, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a good idea. Actually. <clears throat> anyway. Art libraries. That's that's my big idea. So if somebody wants right. to make it happen, let me know. Uh, yeah, patent pending. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll get the patent. Yeah, you yeah. guys uh, figure it out. All right. So you you've got something in here. Uh, apparently, film is is still. Don't call it a comeback. Yeah, film yeah. is still popular in in high school <laughs> dark rooms. Instagram. Uh, yeah. It, well, you know, it's interesting. I love this. I wonder how many high schools still have dark rooms and hadn't, you know, hadn't previously gotten rid of them. Probably are they, a lot. Are they, yeah. You know, that's the thing. I mean, how many of them are building new ones versus sort of rediscovering the fact that there were a bunch of boxes in that old one? You know, yeah. you know, those, I'd love those to go weird rotating doors. Yeah. The circular door. What are those things called? I don't know. You know what I'm talking about, though. The darkroom door things where it's, yeah. well, it, it was the circular ones or we had one in, in our darkroom that was an S shape. So you'd, you'd go in one sort of out, almost like a, a really exaggerated sine wave so yeah, that yeah. no light would spill out. And it was dark enough inside, like nothing got around. Was it like padded with like black yes. all the way? Along? Yeah. Yeah. It was like black, like duvetine all the way around it. Yeah. Um, and yeah. And then they have the ones where you sort of walk into a cylinder, sort of like you're in a James Bond movie mm-hmm. and it circles around you and then you go out the other side. Uh, no, Mr. Bond. I expect <laughs> you to, to die. Use, yeah. I expect yeah. you to print some photographs. Yeah. Um, I, I would love to go back to my high school and see if the darkroom is still there. I don't think that it is, but yeah. I would I would love to see it. I wasn't into photography at the time, but my middle school had a <clears throat> one of the I don't know what she was now, I can't remember. Mrs. Nash, I think her name was. <clears throat> was a um I think a math teacher. Hmm. Uh, in my middle school and she was really into photography. So there was a little photo dark room inside the library in my middle school. And I had a few friends who took her class or whatever. Uh, so I used to hang out in there with them a few times 
And whenever I think of a dark room now, I instantly sort of go back to this weird little room off of a room off of the library, you know, um, where, where, where I imagine it's thing. And it's, it's funny. It's like, it's probably still there. Right. So why not use it if it comes back? Right. You know, I wonder there, how there, much it ends up costing to run compared to, cause this stuff does get a lot more expensive over time. It's interesting. This, this article, uh, we, we have at least 40 accounts with schools buying film chemicals and paper for classes says, uh, Laura Roberts, public affairs liaison at Newtonville camera. Interesting. Where is this? Newtonville, where is this? Is this a New England thing? <laughs> yeah, it's a, well, this is a beta Boston article, so it's probably... Uh, Newton, Mass. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Newton's uh, a very nice place. According to Roberts, those still teaching film and darkroom <laughs> photography include high schools in Andover, Belmont, Burlington, Cambridge, Ridge, and Latin, Dover, Farmington, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Uh, these are very... These are fancy places. Huh. Uh... Yeah, like that Cambridge Ridge in Latin. That that's like where, uh, uh, that's where uh, I think um, uh, Affleck and Matt Damon hmm. went to school. You know, some good work. They've got some photos up here of the students. Uh, let's see, uh, eighteen of my students won a total of thirty-three awards in the Boston Globe's two thousand fourteen Scholastic Art Awards for a mix of digital and analog photography. So what a what a great thing. Do you think now? Can we take this one step further? <coughs> Uh, other than a sense of, and I'm I'm pro this. I think this is great. Yeah. But other than a throw, a sense of throwback or or or, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there actually an advantage of these people learning this, or yes. is this sort of like a, yeah, this is great, but like if any of you end up actually becoming professional photographers for clients, most likely you're going to be using digital. So I, I, what I are we doing? I, yeah, it's, it's akin to me, uh, learning the building blocks of language before you say, go out and write a novel. Uh, okay. But aren't the things that film and digital have in common, you know, uh, learning exposure, learning how to use light, all, all of those things are the same between the two of them. Maybe, but yeah. why, why then in an art class teach watercolor and acrylic when, if you're serious, you're going to use oils? I mean, I just, I, I just don't understand the argument. Okay. I, 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 if you've got the budget for it, uh, I think these are great things. I think learning, if nothing else, watching, and I've talked about this many, many times, watching that first image come up in a tray of developer is mystifying. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And and why not respect the material? And, and and then and then as it keeps getting darker and darker and darker and a runaway thing because you overexposed yeah, it, you go no yeah. stop like, stop stop. Um, you know, and and there are still people, many photographers who insist that there is an it quality, and I don't think this is some delusion. I think that that. They insist that there is this it quality that film possesses that it hasn't been matched in digital, whether it's a, a 3D-ness of it sure. or whether it's a color rendition yep. or whether it's just something that you can't really put your finger on, but it's like that uncanny valley. You know it when it's not there. Yeah. Um, I, you know, and, and look, you're, you're, the, you're the guy who worries about which pens and papers he uses to write things down, right? So I do. <clears throat> and, and I grind my coffee by hand. Right. And I'm, you know, I'm the guy who likes his full-frame camera because he likes the way it feels in his hands, but... Right. Yeah, I'm not as crazy as you are about the sort of minutia of the process. Sure. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's I I just thought it was interesting that there was an article about the fact that all these different schools were actually doing this again. 
I wonder I, if I it's a it's temporary terrific. thing or if it's going to be a long-term thing. I guess uh, it depends on whether or not they can get the chemicals in film in 10 years. Yeah, it's it's that. It's budget. It's, you yeah. know. I, I think that film is is, you know, for lack of a better term, hot right now, you know. Sure. The same way that vinyl is hot in music, but vinyl still only is like two percent of music sales. So it's like, yeah, it's <clears throat> it's hot for vinyl, but it's still not hot in the grand scheme of you know records sold. Um, but anyway, it's cool, cool thing. If I if, if I was in high school right now, I'd totally take it. Yeah, I take that class. I'd hit that. Yeah, you would. Tell me about these uh, iOS manual controls. All right, hey, little some iOS stuff. First of all, first of all. Uh, if you, if you have not yet done it and you own an iPad, get the, to the app store and get the new Avidon app. Okay. This is something that you, that you must do. Does it cost money? No, it is free. Why do they do it? Uh, well, according to the, the, uh, CEO of the, or is it CEO? Yeah. Uh, head of the Avidon foundation. It's, uh, it's part of their effort to, to get Avidon's images and legacy out into the market into a younger audience because there are a lot of people younger photographers who who don't know uh who who avidon was uh, or or only know a small percentage of his work uh and 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 there is an enormous body of work there now this 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 app which contains over a thousand images off the bat with uh, which they will add to they'll add more to thousand images how big is that app just pull them down when it when it requests them or are it they all pulls in the down app? pulls down high res versions when they are requested you'll get a low res thumbnail and then it'll <clears> kind <throat> of snap okay, in okay lower res i mean it's not blocky or pixely or anything but uh can and, you zoom and, in and, and stuff you can you can pinch to zoom in uh it, you can compare images uh it's it's got images from his portraiture his his uh Fashion work, magazine covers, reportage, uh, exhibitions uh, from his first exhibition in 1962, you know, all the way up. It is a brilliant app. They have done a fantastic job with it. And and to make it free, I mean, he says, you know, look, we're losing money on this app. Mm-hmm. Now, losing money relative to if we pull out an image from the archives and sell it, we'll be fl- flush again, maybe. I don't know. I don't know how it all works. Well, it's, I mean, it's, it's expensive to create the app at sure. the very least, yeah. Sure. Um, <clears throat> but I, I think it's a fantastic thing that that it's come sort of from the top down. You know, arguably, depending on who you talk to and what list you read, Avedon, one of, if not the most influential photographer of the 20th century. So to come from <coughs> the top down, entering this this sort of new world of, of apps and and do it at no charge. And he's very clear uh, that, that this will not be monetized. There won't be in-app purchases or ads or anything. It's just, it's as clean and as elegant an interface as you would expect it to be with, with a name like Abaddon attached to it. Pretty cool. Yeah. It's, it's really great. So maybe we can put a, I'll put a link. I already put a link in the show. Oh, good. Look at you. Uh, So yeah. So iOS eight, some of the, the uh, developers who are using it have, have, have come in and say you do have manual control over ISO, uh, over aperture, over focus, over shutter speed, and plus and minus four EV values. It's about bleeping time. Right? But it only took eight years for them to do It's like, it drives me crazy that they didn't. This is, you know what? Quit complaining. It's a gift. 
It's a gift. No, 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 no. It's not a gift. It's how it's it should gift. have been the entire effing well, time. Like my mama used to say, <clears throat> you can't do a shoulda. So I, I just, I no, I all I'm saying is that this is this is an example of what drives me crazy about Apple is like this whole like. No, we know better than you do, so we'll just do it automatically. It's like, well, I don't want it automatic because you're screwing it up, yeah. you know. And finally, well, you know, eight years in, they're giving it to us. So good okay, here's them. here's what I want to do. Here's what I want. I want to see a a a view camera app yeah. for the iPad for the next gen iPad that's supposedly going to have a, a better camera. I want to see the little ground glass with the squares and I want somebody to to and if I can be involved in this some way, I I want to be involved. So, I want to see a view camera app that combines the multi-image uh resolution stitching of Cortex camera with the the wet platey look of Hipstamatic. Yeah, what is this uh, Cortex camera? You take a bunch of pictures and it puts them together. It takes several, yeah, it takes several pictures and and stitches them together <laughs> into a clearer, better photograph. Okay. Okay. So I want that functionality. I want the the sort of hipstamaticy wet plate, but don't make me shake it to develop it because that's just dumb. You know, you're not supposed to shake a Polaroid picture. Yeah, no, it doesn't do anything. That's yeah. that's dumb. No, I mean like the trays where you I like know, I was developing just making a joke. Lame. Uh, and then <laughs> I I I want some sort of tilt shift. Uh, in-plane perspective correction, so it's more like using a bellows on a view camera. Okay, but this is what I that's want. That's just Somebody, going to be, you know, not real. It's going to be all fake, right? Well, it's good. no, it'll be real. I mean, no, it's not going to have a bellows on it, but it'll still be, you know, based on on real calculations. Yeah, but those calculations, you know, doing it in post is very different than doing it. There are things you there blah, are limitations. Blah 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 blah. I'm telling you what I want. I'm telling okay. you what I want, Bill. <clears throat> I think it'll be interesting if somebody does that, but that builds a stand. So you actually have to put it on and it automatically changes the brightness down. So you can actually have to put a dark cloth over your head. It'd be great. And if, <laughs> if I can be involved in this, if I can do, you know, help with UI design or, or, or whatever, or, or maybe, let's, you know what, let's maybe. brand it an I t- on taking pictures, uh, uh, photo app for the iPad. And we'll just, we just need developers. Okay. That'll be the official and, and, thing. Maybe you interview there. There are in-app interviews with people who do wet plate stuff, so you can get a little bit of the legacy yeah, and the yeah. history. Or we could just make the app for you, and it can also have an audio recorder, so you can interview the person <laughs> you're taking the picture of. That would be. Oh, shit. <laughs> you can put like a little shotgun mic, yeah, in yeah. in the lightning connector, so you're talking to them as you're. T- so it records the session. By the way, I use a shotgun mic recently for the first time. It was awesome. Yeah. I'm totally. It was like a thirty dollars shotgun mic on Amazon, and it worked great. Is it the, the <clears throat> is it the Nady one? No, Nady. No, Nady? even cheaper than that. I think it was like it was. I think it was like twenty something dollars. I'll, I'll look it up. Right, send, me I'll link. Link send me a link. Send me a link. All uh, right. So maybe maybe this is maybe this is the on making pictures app. Okay. Yeah. Maybe that's it. Maybe that's where we need to go with it. Okay. I think we should so, have a discussion about this. Any any app developers, let's shoot shoot us an email. They're gonna look uh, at us and go, "Are you kidding me? You know how hard that is." <laughs> come on, you guys can do it. I, I have faith. All right, uh, I, this is what I want to see. And yeah, it's a niche thing, but you know what? I think it would be a lot of fun and and something really cool. And maybe it's a there's a slim down version for the iPhone. You know where it's maybe it's it's. Uh, let's, hey Jeffrey, let's, yeah, life is a niche thing. Life is a niche thing. Uh, it's the newer 14 inch <laughs> photography. Niche, please. <laughs> yeah. Niche, please. Yeah. <clears throat> um, so yeah. So make this happen, gang. Let's, let's get on this. All right.
And I'm right. gonna, yeah, I'm going to put this, I'll put a link put to that this. thing in there. Uh, okay. Also, okay. In iOS thing, I saw this and I thought that was pretty interesting. Uh, this, this, this company, uh, who are they? Uh, is it a company or is it a paper? They're Germans. They're researchers in Germany. Researchers in Germany. Okay. They have come up with a way to create a chemical based iris for smartphone cameras. So it, okay? you, you apply uh, uh, current voltage or whatever it is, and and it chemically shrinks to whatever size the iris. No, is. no, no, no. It just it just uh, it it it. Uh, there's a dye. It's a it's a it's a uh, electro. It's like a photovoltaic reactive dye. Yeah. Okay, that's what I'm saying. Okay. Oh. Oh. Okay. So it just it it, uh, it makes anyway. opaque how much it needs to make. Yes. Opaque. The device consists of two glass substrates sandwiched together, each one carrying a thin film of the electrochromic polymer P dot. Uh, on an underlying transparent electrode. The chemical can be switched into an opaque state with a low voltage and does not require a continuous current to maintain its state, making it highly suitable for battery-powered devices. So so it doesn't have to have a continuous voltage. You just snap the voltage so that the you need. the idea is that get... you would have multiple rings of this and turn them on and off when you need it. Yeah, to create different apertures. This is fascinating to me. So what is the advantage? Do they say what the advantage is? There's no mechanical iris. So it, it can okay. be smaller. It can be thinner. You don't need to have blades that are, that are, uh, that are inter, interacting. Yeah, with, it would be perfectly circular. Perfectly circular. So you'd get like perfectly circular. Super okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that guy has a huge following. Oh, yeah, he does. Kai Wong? He's, he's humongous. I, I mean, I, 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 I get a... Uh, God, man, I'm a mess today. Uh, I get a kick out of him, but then sometimes I watch the show and I was like... He's not really saying anything. <laughs> no, and, but uh, you, you got to love him and and uh, yeah. Who's the, who's the super nerdy guy? Lot is that? Yeah, his yeah, name? yeah, yeah, yeah. I went here with Lot, and we, yeah. you know, and he can, you know, he's, he's broken. Oh, it's so great. Oh, that's, I okay. love that show. Yeah, book okay. Yeah. So uh, that we're talking about digital rev TV for those of you who are who are a little bit lost right now. Kai Wong is the presenter there. They do you know gear reviews and and shootouts and yeah, and yeah. very funny. And sometimes show. it gets yeah. It's 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 fun as entertainment more than it is knowledge for me. Yeah, you know. I, and I I love when he I mean, he's not afraid to just go meh it was okay. I mean yeah, he's yeah. He, they're not doing glowing reviews of everything. He's just like meh meh. Yeah, not and he so always much. has these like gorgeous you know, Asian models in Hong Kong. Like (laughs) I got some arm candy so I can take some pictures of them walking around Hong Kong. Yeah. Um, you good with that? Yeah. Moving on. Okay. Moving on. There's this, uh, Bernard Voita. I'm looking now. Bernard Voita. Now this is that whole thing where it's like, it looks like it's lots of stuff in post, but really it's just all the stuff in the picture. Okay. So he does these things where it's like, you know, the whole, quadrants or shapes that are black or white you see what i'm talking about mm-hmm, mm-hmm. very complicated still life. yeah you and i talked about a a uh, album cover that was in color that looked like this i think way early on in the show do you have any recollection of that there was an album oh. cover that had like four different colors in the quadrants oh i do remember <clears throat> us talking about it but I don't remember what it was. So I think this is where this guy got this stuff. Now, here's the, here's the question, the, the reason I bring it up. And I, I also like the ones, uh, the later ones with, the, with the, uh, the lights and the lamps as the polka dots. Right. And it's just like, it's like, it looks like it's all in post or, you know, blown to end, but it's really just sticking things just the right place in the frame. Yeah. This would take <clears throat> hours to set up. Yeah. These, this, is, this is obsessive stuff. 
Now, the reason I bring this up is that these are really cool, and they maybe are ripoffs of somebody else that I don't know enough to know. So if somebody else knows what these are, and I'll put a link in the show notes, like, let me know. But according to what I can figure out, these are from late 80s. Hmm. They look like they could be from like sort of a uh, 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 1920s sort of surrealist yeah, photographer. Like Bernice Abbott type stuff. <clears throat> yeah, 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 yeah. You yeah, know? Man Ray or something. Yeah, yeah, sure. But apparently they're they're more modern than that. And as much as I can figure out, these were all done like late 80s, early 90s. But if you search for this guy, all you see are like these eight pictures. Huh. And no, he doesn't have, he, uh, it's uh, Bernard, so it must be a guy. He doesn't have any sort of site, no representation, no galleries, no, it's like, it's like, who is he? Like, I feel like there's like these eight pictures out there with this guy's name. There's, are, there's your film project. <clears throat> Who is Bernard Voita? That are just kind of genius, but sort of nowhere, mm-hmm. you know? And it, 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 I just, I thought they were really cool, but it also kind of made me uncomfortable. The fact that he doesn't exist, Yeah, <laughs> you know, <laughs> does that make any sense? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that kind of that flows in with our photographer a week this year. This year, this year. Wow, I'm a mess. <laughs> um, you want to take another stab at that? That flows into our photographer a week this week, but which we'll get to in a minute. So I'll put these in. It's Bernard Voigt. Pretty cool stuff, though, right? Yes. Like, I feel like For, if you know eight pictures, I would love to be able to do this stuff. Well, you, um, you, you can. You just don't have the patience for it. Yeah, I just, you know, coming up with concepts that are a little bit different. than You just look at how he actually did it and you go, oh, man. It's just hours, though, of <clears> setup. <throat> and, you know, moving things, especially if you're by yourself, yeah, moving something back to the camera. Yeah. Moving something back you to the camera. You almost need somebody else to go, no, 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 it's like this. Yeah. You know. Now, uh, if, you could, if you could tether your live view to an iPad or something so you could be on set at all times yeah, and yeah, not yeah. have to kind of go back and forth, that, that, would, be that would be the way to do it. But, of course, in the late 80s, 90s, he wasn't doing that. Right, right. Uh so anyway, impressive Bernard Voita. Yeah, just yeah. funky. And and I almost wish that, I don't know, I think somebody in the group or a listener to the show should take a stab at something like this. Because mm-hmm. I, I don't have the patience for it, but there's got to be somebody out there who sees this and goes, oh, I could totally do that. Like, yeah. And if you can, knock something out and, and, and impress us. Send it over to podcast at ontakingpictures.com. Nice. Put it up on the group. I, I don't know. They were kind of funky. Yeah. Hey, uh, the group this week. The group. The, Man. The, the, you guys, you, okay. The, the tiny planet took over. Yeah, the tiny planet <laughs> t- took well over. <laughs> the, like the, the, the architecture project just completely got left in the dust. Sorry by, about that, Sidoris. No, it's good. It's good. Uh, I, it's fantastic seeing uh, so much interest in People this. People got really the, into it. They got really into it, and there are some really terrific examples of both architecture and tiny planet. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it really, really, really great stuff. Come on, those tiny planets are fun to make. Or, I'm sorry, Symmetry was the last one. Uh, Symmetry. Symmetry, right, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, great. Uh, let's see, what were some of my favorites? Rodney Campbell put up one that looks like the launch tube of, of one of the Vipers in Battlestar Galactica. You see that? Like yeah, looking, yeah, 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 yeah. I love that. And somebody put up ones of, uh, like, just the screen door. Oh, yeah, screen, yeah. Screen door, yeah. And those came out pretty cool, those too. Those were great. Um, what else? Uh, uh, I'm just scanning you look through. At, you know what it is? I feel like if that Tiny Planet app or whatever one I use, I think it's called Tiny yeah. Planet. Uh, it's like three bucks or whatever it is. Like, to me, that's much more interesting than another. I generally use the camera app on my iPhone. Right. Like the stock camera app. Because all the other ones that I've tried, they're just 
they're a little too slow or convoluted. And sometimes I just want to pull the camera out and go bloop. And you, since you can't set a default, you can get straight to the camera from the lock screen and stuff. You sure. Know? Um, <clears throat> but I would, I would just the idea that, uh, like that tiny planet is one of those things that I could say, you know what? This is a good idea. Yeah, like, sure. You know, it's, just it's a, fun. a fun little, that's totally yeah, worth fun. three bucks to mess around with. Um, uh, it, it does, uh, doesn't it kind of make you wish though, that, that, our our bigger cameras were also open platforms so that people could write apps for your Canon or your Fuji. Um, that'd no. be kind of cool. No, I like I well, like sort having of them like um, devices. What's it called? Um, uh, what's the thing that I was using? Um, Magic Lantern. You know, it's like give me more than what Canon says that I can do. Oh, okay, I see what you're saying. Yeah, extending you know? maybe extending <clears throat> functionality. Sure, like little extensions that like oh you want to uh, make tiny planets inside your Canon? Do it. What else? Jason Fusera uh, put up great stuff. You're putting up some really good stuff lately, Jason. Uh, who else? Jeremy Bryant, good stuff. Love that. Fielding, the uh, the the, the uh, uh, shots from Santa Monica Pier. Yeah. Um, got to meet up with with her and her her daughter yesterday. They're out here visiting some friends. That was fun. Um, Preston put up. Did you see the the shot Preston put up of the guy mm. singing? At the moment, I don't have that in my head, but. Uh, that could, singing man, Northeast there could, Portland. There could be a number of reasons for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, really terrific shot. And he 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 commented. Uh, he was doing a lovely rendition of Bob Marley's "Get Up, Stand Up," really belting it out. <laughs> nice. Yeah, yeah. Get up, uh, Char Davies, good shot of uh, of of some architecture. Really cool stuff. So yeah, I mean, really, really, really fun work. And and uh, really glad to see that that you guys are enjoying these assignments. I I. I I love doing these and, and seeing what you come up with. So what's next week, next week, next week, suggestion from uh, a listener, Mateus Polkowski. He tweeted you about this. Yep. Yep. He did. I hope I'm saying that right. Mateus, uh, typography. Okay. You know, uh, what's his name? Uh, Jay Mazel. Yeah. Doesn't he have a thing about type type in photographs? Like he, something along the lines of if there are words in your photographs, they need to be, they, they, you better hope that they're the center of the photograph because otherwise they're going to take over the photograph. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it's an interesting thing of trying to use type in a way that adds to the photograph and doesn't become the photograph. Sure. And, and now maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe it's not, maybe you abstract it. Maybe yep. it's, it's, yeah, sure. uh, you know, part of a letter or letters, um, uh, I, I watched a, a documentary a while back on uh, Hoffler and, and Frere Jones, the typographers, before the before their before the story. crash. Yeah. yeah, before the crash, and they—I don't know who got custody of it—but at one point they were amassing this monstrous collection of signage in New York City, going block by block, almost like a Google. A, a street view, but just for signage them. and typography. Yeah, photographing. Well, because Gotham came from the type at the Port Authority that just some union guy did in the forties or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, fantastic collection of just signage and numbers and type. That, and it's kind of interesting though that like if they built a building today, they would hire somebody like Fear Jones to come in and do the type for the logo or whatever it is, right? right. But in the forties, it was like just some union guy, and they're like, it's called the Port Authority, just. Go make a sign, Joe. Yeah, quick and plain, yeah. and put down your coffee. Yeah, go make a sign. You get you got a pen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and you know, and the guy made a thing that is now the Obama font for the campaign and whatever yeah. else. You yeah. know, uh, c- crazy. Uh, you know what? Maybe I'll see if I can find that 
uh, that little clip and, and put it in there because it is pretty fascinating. Let me yeah, see if I can find show it. Notes. Put it in the show notes. Um, good stuff. Uh, yeah. I was going to say something else before we got to the last thing, and now I've sort of lost my train of thought. You want to take a minute? No, I'm just. You, you want to take a knee? <laughs> no, I'm good. I just, you know. Oof. You know, it's, it's like, can I just say something for half a second? Sure. It's it's <clears throat> it's feeling this way that just reminds me how terrified I am about any sort of long term illness. You know what I mean? Yeah, sure. Like I just sit there and I go, I I haven't slept in days because I can't sleep more than twenty five minutes before I wake up hacking cough and whatever. <clears throat> and um, it's just like it just reminds me that when I'm healthy, I need to do what I need to do because. I may not be healthy forever. You know what I mean? Right. Anyway, just, just a weird reminder. Well, Maybe, see, this is a, this is the sodium pentothal talking. That's right. Um, if you've I'll, got uh, see, we, this is a show we should have done live. So we yeah. could have taken live questions Do it live from, from the, uh, from Peanut the gallery. Yeah. 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 Uh, okay. So, uh, photographers of the week. Yeah. This is a little bit of a change. A little bit of a, we're mixing it up, but a there's a bit. reason, right? There is a reason. All right. What do you got? Oh, see, if I, if I could sing that high, do a little earth, wind and fire, there's a reason. Uh, Are you hooked on a feeling? <laughs> can't help believing. That's right. Uh, so we're doing two. First of all, the subject matter is a little different for these are, these are Western photographers. Uh, one is, is decidedly, Old school, and, and one is not. Uh, the old school photographer is a guy called Rob Kendrick, who okay. uh, is, is known primarily for his tintype portraits of modern cowboys. Okay. okay. And they are, they are beautiful shots. They really are. Uh, and uh, one of the projects that he did was he, he's, he had a mobile darkroom, kind of a trailer that he converted into a darkroom. And, and crisscrossed the country and drove 40-something, 60-something thousand miles, crisscrossing the countries, making portraits of modern-day ranchers and cowboys okay. as tintypes. Uh, and, and they're beautiful. All six they're, of them. Yes, no, there's okay. quite a few. They're like film. They're coming back. Yeah. Uh, and and they, are, they are absolutely beautiful photographs. Now, important thing to remember about about tintype is is we've talked about this before very low shutter speeds so he's having to, people are having to sit still and not move for several seconds at a time and 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 yet he's he's getting these just amazingly clear and detailed and and beautifully exposed photographs really wonderful stuff so that's 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 photographer one uh photographer two is uh, a guy that I first found a few years ago, uh, his name is David Stockline, or I, I think it's Steckline is how you pronounce it. <clears throat> okay. Uh, and I first saw this, this shot of, of this cowboy in a snowstorm with, uh, he's on horseback with a calf under his arm uh, and, and a lantern kind of hanging from his saddle. Okay. Uh, as if, you know, rescuing this, this, this calf from, from a snowstorm. And it just, I don't know, it just always hit me because I, I've always been drawn to the American West, maybe because I've spent a lot of time in, in Arizona and Nevada and, and stuff growing up. Um, but the, the, the American West has always had some, some mystery to me. Uh, so this photograph really, really kind of spoke to me and I, I and I really like his work. Um, uh, but what's interesting about their approaches is 
Kendrick, if you look at his about page, uh, time is precious, he writes, meant to be spent with family, friends, animals, the outdoors, having new experiences and making meaningful work. Therefore, I do not Facebook, I do not LinkedIn, I do not blog, no Flickr, no Tumblr. What is Twitter? So you've got someone who, who, and, and Bill, you God asked forbid the question, a podcast happens. Yeah. Bill, you asked you know, who, who maintains his website. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but so, th- so you've got this, this sort of level of, of, of interactivity and, 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 and immersion into what technology photographers find themselves using. And then on the other side, you've got, you've got, uh, David Steckline who, who, does workshops and has stock photography and does prints and blogs and has his portfolio and, and does live events. And I just thought it was very interesting, not only their take on the technology and the approach to their craft, but how they each represent <coughs> the West in their photographs. Yeah. Uh, Steckline is de- definitely sort of leaning towards the more modern yes. uh, game. God, that name sounds familiar. Steckline? Yeah. A uh, lot of really beautiful use of silhouette in his work. Um, big skies, as as you would uh, yeah. expect. Um, but it's, still, oh, go ahead. Well, you know, first of all, he's almost mostly color, mm-hmm. where the other guy is mostly black and white or, you know, some sort of monochromatic thing. Right, right. Um, there's also this sense of uh, stuckline stuff. It's like, they're all great photographs, <clears throat> but they're they're... In some ways, there it's sort of the whole thing where it's like they're so perfect that they. And this is this is my opinion, and again, sodium pentothal, right? They're they're so perfect that they just feel like stock photography to me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like well, they're incredibly that's, that's, well done, but they're a lot of them are not interesting to me. Uh, okay, <clears throat> and I and I I completely understand. Or am I having a hard way of saying that? No, no, I no. I, I, I understand. And that was one of the reasons why we were kind of going back and forth on this is because they are too, I think they're both trying to be authentic to what they're portraying. Sure. But. Well, and that's a good example of both of these guys, I'm sure, think that they are shooting and living and being authentic to themselves. Right. And but look how far away from each other they end up on the spectrum. Right, and that's kind of why I thought it was interesting that 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 you know looking at both of them and 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 then you said, well, why not? Let's just do both. <clears throat> yeah, it's why like what, why is there such a thing as objective authenticity, mm-hmm. or is it mm-hmm. always subjective? In which case, it's just what you like. You know, yeah. um, you know, there, there's an argument to be made that that uh, <clears throat> Kenrick is you know. Great, he doesn't do LinkedIn, Facebook, blogs, whatever it is, but apparently he gets enough work from National Geographic and selling the tintypes or whatever it is for him and his family to travel around and live in Austin or whatever it is. Right. You know, how do we know? Maybe he's independently wealthy. Maybe he owns a big giant ranch that his great grandfather got, you know. Right, right. Um, we don't know, right? Maybe, maybe, uh, uh, Stockline, Stokeline, 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 um, you know, maybe maybe he's just like, I got to find every way I can make money because, you know, my kid's sick and I've got to, you know, pay the medical bills. Like, well, and it's you, it, you don't know. Right. And you can't judge somebody's choices just entirely based upon what you would do you right. know, if you were them, you know, because right. there's there's different drivers for everybody. You know, I, I would imagine I mean, not knowing either of them, but right. I would imagine that 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 Kendrick would look at, you know, 
Stecklines images who are being used to 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 sell Stetson hats or yep. or you know horse feed or whatever it is yep. and just cringe. Yeah, maybe or maybe he'd be like, eh, they're great. Actually, we're yeah. good friends. Like, yeah, that's, who knows? Uh, right. It's just like, interesting how how you perceive these different things. Yeah, you you would perceive uh, uh, Kendrick as being a snob. And, and we neither of us have met him. We don't know. He could be the nicest guy ever. I'm just or, or not. I don't. I wouldn't go that purist far, but, to the point of to, to the point of fault. Maybe. But yeah. He, maybe even maybe. here. Even in his about page, he says, "I also work in digital when necessary." <laughs> right. You know. Sort of like fine. Give me the yeah. digital camera. Yeah. Hand it. Hand it over. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I just again, I find it very interesting that they are both that they are they are such different representations of arguably similar subject matter. Yeah. And, and it just goes to show you how different that stuff can look. You know? Yeah. And um, it's one of the reasons I love photography. It's one of the reasons I, I love photography as a medium it, 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 because there, there can be so many different representations. There's the argument that, you know, the camera is only capturing what it sees. It's recording what it sees, blah, blah, blah. But, but obviously while, there's more to it than that because exactly my picture of, so-and-so and your picture of so-and-so and so-and-so's picture of so-and-so are, you know, oh, well, if everyone took pictures of Seth Godin or Gladwell, then they should all look like the same, but sure. obviously they don't. So there is something more to it, right? Yeah. I, I just find it very interesting. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and again, it's the whole Western thing, which I'm very drawn to and always have been. Um, so there, there's something about that. You know, it kind of goes back to our, our discussion earlier about, you know, you want to wake up and look out at the city, you know, and other people might want to wake up and look out at, yeah. at, at a mountain range or Can something. Can I ask a question about that? Yep. Did, when you're out in the middle of nowhere, like mm-hmm. where your father used to live and that kind of stuff. Yes. yes. And you're on a stretch of highway where there's 40 miles and there's nothing and maybe there's no one around. Mm-hmm. Does, do you ever get the thing like, God, I hope my car doesn't break down because I don't know that somebody else is going to come by tonight. Oh, sure. And sure. it actually, it, it almost feels a little scary, like a sure. little threatening. It's, it's less threatening <clears throat> now with, with cell phones and coverage and things like that. Because, you know, yes, while my dad lived in the middle of nowhere, I could talk to him on the phone from my house to his house and never drop the call. Right, right, right. You know, but, but you know, through the through the, 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 the plains of, of Wyoming or Nebraska or something where maybe there isn't coverage and there, you know, it's like that scene in, uh, in, uh, uh, Castaway where he's, you know, that four corners kind of thing where he's at the intersection and there's just road in yeah. all four directions. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That kind of thing would, would, you know, concern me a little bit. It's why when I go out West, like even in, like, you know, we talked about Yosemite earlier. So one more time, uh, I will go on the five mile hikes that a lot of people go on, but mm-hmm. I'm not going to back country. No, for three days with a, no. with a, no. like that makes me terrified. Yeah. And, and, and I know that way. lots of people do it and they're very safe and blah, blah. it's just like, yeesh, no. Yeah. I'm, <clears> I'm <throat> the same way when I go mountain biking, I I'll stay on the trails. I don't do single track. I don't go. No, 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 no. Because if some, if, I know how uncoordinated I am. So if I, yeah, you know, I, all I think is I'm, off yeah, my bike. I'm six yeah. miles in and I, I trip and I break my ankle. Yeah. Okay. I can't walk six miles with a broken ankle or a broken, you know what I mean? Like right. if right. no one else no. comes along this trail, I'm dead. Yeah. Those mountain uh, lions are going to eat me. A friend of mine <clears throat> was, was mountain biking in the hills here uh, a couple years ago and by himself. And it is, is more, much more of a single track kind of rider than I am. And, and he 
you know, went off his bike and broke his broke one shoulder and the opposite wrist and has a very expensive bike. So not only did nobody come, but he had to sort of schlep his bike up to the main trail so that somebody would ride by and, and find him. And yeah. I was like, no, thank yeah. you. <coughs> that makes me so nervous. Yeah, not interesting. All right. So it's not just me. No, 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 no. Yeah, that that like that it's it's being out in the middle of nothing where it's just completely open sometimes makes me uncomfortable in the same way that I'd imagined, you know, dropping somebody in Times Square would make somebody who's not used to a city uncomfortable, you know, yeah. or exactly or exactly in the opposite way. Right. Um, man, I don't even sound like myself. I could do a nice little very white thing right now. Very white. That's right. Yeah, it's 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 a it's I I get a little nervous. Now I I I was in an accident when I was a kid. Um, Do you you know what an addicts is? Uh, Addicts. Addicts. You ever heard of an addicts? No. They were these six wheeled vehicles that the off road vehicles that they used to make three wheels on a side, and uh, they had a, a system called a planetary drive in them, and you drove them like a tank with two sticks. Okay. You know, both sticks forward is forward. Both sticks back is break. Uh, sounds uh, familiar. You know, left and right. Okay. Uh, locks up one side. Uh, we were, uh, I think, where were we? Maybe El Mirage? Might have been El Mirage. Or no, it was Saugus. I don't know. Anyway, so, so we were out, uh, this, this friend of mine and I, and kind of went away from the camp and we're up in the hills and uh, came over this, this crest and, and there was just this drop into this rocky ravine. Whoops. Uh, and we were like, okay, this is not good. We need to turn around. So you, you lock one side of the vehicle and you, you know, you turn the thing around, yeah. but it starts slipping in the gravel and we start sliding back. And over this embankment, we go into this ravine. Uh. Uh, the, the thing landed on top of him, this, this friend of mine. Uh, I, I landed on, and it was like these volcanic kind of rock, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. ravine type thing. Did he get I hurt? landed. Oh yeah. He had, yeah. Yeah. He had to be airlifted out. Oh man. Um, but I had to make my way back to where somebody would find us, you know, and I'm, you know, hands and knees bloody. Uh, and it was terrifying because you, you're just, you're in the middle of the desert, not knowing, you know, where anyone's at. Uh, and, uh, so it kind of not, maybe not since then, but that certainly has contributed to my, you know, weirdness about being out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. It's like you, you've, you've now lived the nightmare scenario that we've been talking about. Yeah. Yeah. It was weird. And I was maybe, I don't know, 13 or so. Yeah. That's scary. Yeah. It was, it was weird. Um, uh, okay. So you, you about, you gotta be about done now, huh? I'm pretty exhausted, but yeah, okay, we'll, we'll wrap it up. All right. Uh, podcast at ontakingpictures.com. Uh, you can get a hold of us. Uh, or Bill tweets at Bill Wadman. I tweet at Jeffrey Sidoris. Um, I've been trying to tweet more lately. Yeah, good. Yeah. Good. Uh, you can, we'll put links to the new assignment and the group in the show notes. Uh, what else? What else you got? Anything? I don't know. I, I like the day late and dollar short title, though. I'll tell you that. Day late and a dollar short? Okay. Go with that. Hey, whatever, you know, min- minimize what, what you have to do on your end. Uh, okay, I can do that. All right. Uh, and and uh, thank you for listening. Sorry we're a little late, uh, but uh, thanks thanks for being here, and we'll, we'll see you next time. Excellent. Looking forward to it. Yep. Going on and on the way we are for so long. To any fool, it's plain to see something's wrong. 
this way. 